mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bible with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to be beginning this morning in verse 46. By way of remembrance, we have been looking at the greatest gift ever given, uh, the testimony of Christmas, that time of year, which would be the birth of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift ever given, which foreshadows that first Christmas tree, the cross of Calvary, his death on a tree, a wooden cross. If you remember, we looked at that, and wood represents flesh. It was decorated by the blood of our Savior, the light of the world. God in person wrapped himself in flesh and came down and hung on a tree for you and me. Not about presence under a tree. I know we all have the gift of receiving, so we want presents. We like presents, but it's about the presence of God with us, hanging on a tree, dying for the sins of the world on a wooden cross, the greatest gift ever given. Listen, let me just ask you, have you received it? Has the Spirit of God opened your eyes to receive this greatest gift ever given? So then now you need the Spirit of God to help you unwrap the greatest gift ever given. And then even in that, you can unwrap it and have knowledge. You need the Spirit of God to help you enjoy and go out and share the greatest gift ever given. It's not about us. It's about God. It's about the greatest gift ever given. Now, if you'll remember with me in verses 1, uh, Luke 1, 1 through 25, we were introduced to a couple people that are elderly in age, blameless in life, according to God's testimony, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And we're introduced to the angel, Gabriel, who tells them that their prayer has been answered. They've been praying for a long time. You ever prayed for, on something for a long time? Listen to me. Pray according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. The hardest thing about prayer, which everything is about prayer, being dependent upon God, is not to pray so that your flesh will be satisfied. Pray according to the Spirit so that godliness will be accomplished, so that you will be wrapped in Christ-likeness and unwrapped from your flesh. So, and then we had their prayer being answered would be a son in their old age, John, the grace of God. 
However, Zacharias, being unbelieving, waiting so long, going through the motions, potentially, I, I read into the text that he's become complacent. He's prayed for so long, he doesn't think God's going to answer. And when God does answer, he doesn't believe the answer. Listen to me. He doesn't believe the answer. Do you believe the word of God? Do you trust the word of God? Have you been playing church or following Christ for so long that the word of God has become nothing to you? Or are you still allowing the Holy Spirit to impact your life in a way where you can be wrapped in the word of God? Unwrapping the truth of God as you get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. Listen, I, I know we jest when we talk about uh, Christmas. It's Christmas every day to the believer. The gift of God keeps on giving. It doesn't just give once and you're done. It's a giving of life every single day that we're privileged to go out and share with other people. And it's, it's up to us, though, to decide in our free will to get into the Word of God to draw near to God and allow Him to draw near to us. I, I, I think that times we think, oh, I already heard that. I already know that. I'm already good with that. I'm already familiar with that. And then when we hear that God wants to use us, we're in unbelief and not ready for God. See, He's preparing you today for something for tomorrow. He's preparing you today to be unwrapped tomorrow by somebody else. What are they unwrapping is it, are they getting all flesh when they, when, when they unwrap you? See, because he's sending us to the world as a gift to the world. He was the light of the world, and now that light dwells in us. And as we go out, people unwrap us with their eyes. They unwrap us with our words. They unwrap us. And they go, man, that was all flesh. What are you giving to other people as you meet them? The greatest gift ever given or flesh, dead flesh, dead flesh. Nothing worse than somebody wrapped up in themselves. Nothing worse. So we have these characters and obviously Gabriel tells John he's going to have shut up on his mouth. He puts shut up on his mouth. You're not going to speak. And I believe the word speechless says that he's not going to be able to hear either. See, because when you don't listen to the word of God with a heart to obey it, to grow and to go, then you begin to become spiritually dead to the word of God. It comes out, you hear it, you go, wow, and you walk away and keep doing self. But when you hear it with, 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 with growth in mind, you hear it with going in mind, you listen to it with the Spirit of God that it's opening it so that you can learn to obey it and to follow in liberty, in freedom, and hand yourself out to others so that they can come alive, then your faith is real. So I see in verse 126 through 45, Gabriel's back. He comes back again. He's dispatched from God, from the throne of God. God sends him to a virgin named Mary. It's really Maria. It's really Maria. It was kind of funny. I was talking to a young man that works with us. His name is Abraham. And I always tease him. And his, he's, in, he's engaged to a girl named Maria. Maria. 
And that's, that's really what Mary is. In English, we translate it to Mary, but it's really Maria or Miriam, which was Aaron's sister, Moses' sister. And when you go back and look at these things, these things mean something. What, Moses means one drawn out. His brother's name means light bearer, and his sister Miriam means rebellion. What? We are drawn out to be light bearers to a rebellious people, and it starts with us. The question is, is are we unwrapping this greatest gift? Or do we just say, oh, I believe. See, real faith gets up. So when Gabriel presents this to Mary, she doesn't understand it. She doesn't understand it. She's like, I've never known a man. And Gabriel tells her all things will be possible Nothing is impossible with God. And listen, don't strain at that too hard. Because there's things in your life that you might want to happen that God's not going to allow to happen. That doesn't mean that all things are possible with God is a wrong statement. It means all things that he's doing. Every word that he has spoken will not fall to the ground and die. It's going to bring life. It's all going to be performed. It's all going to be accomplished. It's all going to be done. And so he presents her with encouragement. And your relative, your cousin, Elizabeth, is now with child. Her who's been called cursed. Her who's had a curse and, 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 and a shadow on her all of her life because they had no children. She's now with child. What? So she puts feet to her faith. Oh, don't leave out that she said, the hand, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Have you ever said that to God? I surrender. I'm going to stop living for self. I'm going, to be, I'm going to stop wrapping myself up in this flesh that kills me, that leads me back into the curse, that keeps me in bondage, that I stay dead and can't walk in the newness of life. Or, or have you said to God, Behold, the maidservant, the manservant, the doulos, the one who voluntarily obeys the word of God, no matter how it feels, acts, or does, no matter what they say about it, no matter how many of them persecute you or hate you or talk about you, let it be done to me according to your word. Listen, God's word is always life. He will always perform his word. He will not perform your death. He's trying to lead us out by the power of the Holy Spirit and wrap us up in life, new life. And yet we love that. We stay in self. We fight and, and fight and fight against the Spirit of God. We struggle with Him. We struggle with Him. So sometimes He has to chastise us. We're going to see that today. He chastised um, Zacharias. Shut up on his mouth. I think shut up on his ears. He couldn't hear the word of God because he didn't believe the word of God. It wasn't mixed with faith. But now Mary, this young girl who's maybe 14 to 16 years old, who's, who knows the word of God, she puts feet to her face. She says, I'm going to go find out if this is true. I'm going to go investigate it. And that's very important because when you open this book, that is exactly what Luke is doing. 
an autopatia, an autopsy of the body of Christ. And he's lining it all out. Listen, you have you ever tried to line it out and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you these truths and give you a desire to walk it out and to be wrapped up in this truth and take it out and be a gift to other people that they would understand the gospel because of how you're living, what you're saying, how what is going on in your house and what you're doing, that those things would present a gospel? See, that's the way to be blameless before God. That's the way to prove that you are living according to righteousness. We're not saved by it. No, of course not. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourself. It is a gift, the greatest gift ever given of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But if we've received it, and we're opening it, and we're enjoying it, and we're sharing it, there'll be evidence of fruit from those actions that come by the Spirit of God. So she goes to Elizabeth's house, and you remember with me, I, I like going through and introducing these things again. She arose in those days, the first, the first uh, Christmas rush, and she went to uh, the high country. She went up, and when she entered the house, the babe jumped in the womb of, of, of Elizabeth. That's so amazing. That's so amazing that the babe who God's already told us in the text would be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, from the womb. Listen, that babe knew when the mother of our Lord walked into the house because there's unity in the Spirit. There's an agreement in the Spirit. They're all moving in the same direction. The redemption of the world. That, that all men would be saved and come to repentance. All of the Spirit of God is doing the same thing. And then the Antichrist is trying to keep us from doing that. The Antichrist is trying to keep us wrapped up in ourselves. The Antichrist is trying to keep us moving in the same direction of death instead of moving towards life and giving the Word of God to other people so they can enjoy life with us. So she trusts God's word, young, not hardened by the pain of life, not hardened by praying for a long time and it not happening as Zach and Elizabeth seemed to be. My emphasis added, not the text. She puts feet to her faith. But notice this, her life was never ever the same again. Listen. The highest overshadowed her. And she's carrying Christ about. And her life was never, ever the same again. It wasn't, okay, continue life as normal. What was I doing now? I'm planning my wedding here to Joseph. Her life changed. She began to investigate. She began to carry Jesus around. Are you investigating God's word? To find out who you are, what this family is, who this God is that would give us such amazing grace and love. The greatest gift ever given. Salvation. The grace of God. Titus. I like this text. I always get back to this text. And you guys are like, wait a minute. Don't go anywhere else with 36 verses to go. We'll never get done. 
Listen, Titus, again, I could, I could show you several places in Titus. I, I go, oh, where do you start? Maybe I'll teach this book next. Because in Titus, he actually talks about uh, the reason he left uh, Titus on the island of Crete to set things in order. It's a medical term about setting broken bones. See, there's so many things in our apostasy. There's so many things in our culturality. There's so many bones that are broken in the church today, and they need to be set in orders. It's set in order, and it's done through appointing elders. It's leaders. It's setting authority in place and people walking according to God's word. And he tells you about that in 1.5. Because he, he says many are insubordinate, and they just talk about anything. They go about doing anything. Even one of their own authors said that the Cretans were lazy gluttons. And he says, therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. See, that's the voice out there that people are listening to. Instead of hearing the Spirit of God in the Word of God and being wrapped up in the things of God, we go give in to Jewish fables. We go give in to men who are turning people away from, and we listen to their little funny stories about your soul. There's nothing funny about a soul going to hell. Nothing at all. God even wants us to pray for our enemies. And yet, life is normal. Even though the Spirit of God supposedly comes into our heart because we believe in God. Now notice, and I'm just going to keep moving, pick up in verse 6. 2-6 of Titus. I'm going to teach it soon. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. And, and, and listen, we cannot take our culture and interpret the Bible. That doesn't mean quit drinking. It means to be sober in what you're thinking about and chasing after and quit being drunk with desire, drunk with the things of the world. But we always turn it into drinking because it's sober-minded. Culture, culture defining the Bible instead of the Bible changing culture in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine showing integrity reverence incorruptibility sound speech that cannot be condemned that one who is in an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say to you exhort bond servants that right there is the word that mary used for herself handmaiden of the lord that was the female version of this word, doulos. It's one who voluntarily says they're laying down. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in, in all things, not answering back. Isn't that the thing that you, you, you don't like the most about your children? When you're telling them good advice, you're telling them good counsel, and they answer back in argument. They, they, they speak up and go, but what? Listen, I told you, just go put your clothes in the dresser. But I, I'm busy. And it's the one thing that just drives you the craziest when you have your agenda and you're supposed to be moving in a certain direction and people won't listen. I don't know, maybe not you guys, maybe people in Texas, maybe just me. Answering back. 
not pilfering, stealing, but showing all good fidelity that they may what? Adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. You know what that word adorn means? To put in proper order. Listen, because you've been decorating your trees. It means to decorate. It means to decorate, to garnish, to ornament your life. That's what this word means. That's why I'm here. It means to ornament your life, to decorate your life with the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. We may adorn, we may be wrapped in, decorated by, that people may see the light of the world in us. Not our flesh, it's covered with silver redemption, and that's covered with gold, becoming like God, the same way it is in the temple in the Old Testament. They don't see the cross anymore. They see Jesus. They see the greatest gift ever given, and they go, how in the world did they change their life? And you should always be pointing up. It should always be about, wait till you see what uh, Zacharias does. He ain't handing out cigars about John. He's talking about Jesus. When you have a baby, don't you always talk about your baby? Uh-uh, you got to get things in order here, people. He starts talking about Jesus first when he's prophesying. I'm way ahead of myself, and I'll point it out again when we get there. And then he talks about John last. Because it's still about Jesus, even though what? Verse 11, Titus 2.11, for the grace of God. See, that's what John means, God's gracious gift. That brings salvation, deliverance, has appeared to all men. Listen, nobody's going to have an excuse. What's he doing? Teaching, just by his very life, us that denying ungodliness and worldly desires worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in the present age and what are we doing while we're doing all of that we're looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing just as sure as he came the first time he's coming again of our great god that's twice he's called him god and savior jesus christ who gave himself greatest gift ever given for us that he might redeem us redemption from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works listen in everything that we're reading in luke 1 and you can go back there oh no wait a minute just finished the last sentence there speak these things exhort rebuke with all authority let no one despise you that's the that's the commandment we've been given but listen just as sure in luke as all these things that were going on and you could see there that the signs were pointing to there's a there's a pregnant lady a virgin the signs and everything that's going on the spirit is pointing them to the first appear and they know that christ is getting ready to be born on that first christmas morn just as sure as everything that's going on there that fulfills prophecy and scripture guess what the lawlessness that we're supposed to be purified from what he just said purify from them every lawless deed that lawlessness right now is abounding in the world and that's a sign completely that jesus is on his way back again because he said lawlessness will abound it will abound it'll be everywhere and it's even in the church if you go read second timothy chapter three the church has become so weak perilous times because they ignore the word of god and they listen to other people they don't have a relationship with god they have a relationship with other people listen you can have a relationship with other people but if it skips the relationship with god 
that relationship is tainted. God has to be first in everything. He has to be first in everything so that you know how to have a relationship with other people. He's all about relationships, but it must be with him personally first. So Elizabeth, back in Luke 1, as we finish our introduction, goes to Zacharias and Elizabeth, or excuse me, Mary goes to Zacharias and Elizabeth's house, um, and the babe leaps in the womb, and Elizabeth knows exactly what's going on because she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And she says in, let's just read verse 141. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. When the babe leaped in her womb, and then we're told in context, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now see, she can only know that through the revelation of the Holy Spirit telling her that. Her and Zach are talking about their visitation from the angel. They, I mean, he's writing it on paper, and they, and they have a babe in the womb, and they know these things, and they're going, what in the world is going on? But how can she know that Mary is the mother of the Messiah? Unless it's been revealed by God. And so she trusts God and she speaks by the power of the Holy Spirit. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. Something that we all need to be is filled with the Holy Spirit and not filled with self. Not filled with our plans, not filled with the things we're going to do, but filled with the Spirit of God that speaks to the people of God and leads the children of God. And then she asked the question in 43, but why is it granted to me? Why is it given? Why is it this gift that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And then she gives her this encouragement by the Holy Spirit because she's filled with the Holy Spirit. She was able to say to Mary, Blessed is she who believed, trusted God, for there will be a fulfillment, a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Listen to me. This is the whole point. God has given us great and precious promises, and he forgave us of all of our sins when we first said, oh, I believe in you. I believe you died and rose again. How will he not perform and finish the work that he started in us until the day of Christ Jesus? And we can't just stop at receiving the gift. We must open the gift. We must enjoy the gift. We must share the gift. And we have to keep going with the gift. And it has to be done by the Spirit of God. It cannot be done by the arm of the flesh. It has to be done with the Spirit of God while you're having a relationship with God. Because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Listen to me. And it's the Spirit of God that is going to adorn you, decorate you, wash and cleanse you, wrap you up. The Bible tells us clearly in John 14, 6, He's going to be with you. 
John 14, 15. He's going to be with you and he will be in you and then he will come up on you. We have to understand this. The same way he came up on Mary, he will come up on us. He will overshadow us. He will fill us to overflowing so that we can be used by him. But he doesn't do it so that we can go out and live selfish lives wrapped up in ourselves. He does it so we can go out and be witnesses, martyrs for him, one who dies for their faith throughout Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Very important that we understand this. And I'm closing this section out before the birth of Jesus, trying to point out that every one of these people that are being used in the will of God are filled with the Spirit of God. Except for Gabriel, but he was an angel sent from God. And he gives us a free will choice whether we want to allow the Spirit of God to lead us or we want to go on being led by our own plans, our own career plans, our own model, our own world, the voices of this crazy world, other people that are subverting and turning people away, or do we want to have a personal relationship with God as the Spirit leads us through the Word of God and He teaches us and He washes and cleanses us from our flesh and He adorns us or decorates us and wraps us in Christ and prepares us for the wedding supper of the Lamb. Those choices have to be made because to reject the Holy Spirit, to quench, to grieve, to insult, to lie to, leaves us living in the flesh, living in death. It leaves us doing what we've always done again and again and again. So, I'm not going to read the text today because I have many, many verses. So, I'm just going to pray and we're going to begin to see uh, Mary, their rebellion, uh, her answer in the Spirit to these happenings here at Zach and Elizabeth's house. Father, thank you for your word Thank you for calling us out of darkness. Thank you for your spirit that's here now that wants to wash and cleanse us, that wants to prepare us uh, for tomorrow, for today as we go out, for tomorrow, for next week. Prepare us and adorn us and decorate us and help us to celebrate your death, burial, and resurrection and, and get us ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb. Lord, may we surrender to you and trust you for everything about life and godliness. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, quickly, Zacharias, God remembers, Elizabeth, his oath. John, the Lord is gracious. Gabriel, a strong man of God. Joseph, he will add. Mary, their rebellion to Jesus, the Lord's salvation. See, your rebellion has to go somewhere. Your rebellion, you know what? You can clean up the flesh a little bit, but it doesn't get you into heaven. But our rebellion must be laid upon the redemption of Jesus Christ according to his plan, according to his work, according to his word. It has to be done his way, not just like any way you want to do it. Well, this is the way I see it. See, God has, he has this courtroom and there's authority in his courtroom. And everything that he's doing, he's laid out perfectly in plan. And we have to approach according to the cross of Christ. We have to approach according to his provision for the sin nature. 
and we can't just do it anyway. But there's an enemy out there that wants to attack and get us to think we can do it anyway. Remember the book of Judges? Oh, my goodness. The epitaph, the gravestone reads, there was no king in Israel, so everyone did what was right in their own eyes. See, when you put Jesus first in your life and recognize that you're supposed to be dead, then there's a king. And you don't just do what's right in your own eyes. You do what the Word of God says by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. But see, when there's no king, we just go, nah, that's the way Greg believes. Listen, read your Bible. Don't follow what Greg believes. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. You are not going to be able to say, well, Greg told me when you get to judgment seat of God. You will not be able to say, well, everyone else was doing it. You have to have a personal love relationship. And listen, there's freedom, there's rest, there's peace, there's, 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 there's magnificence and mighty power there. So I'm not trying to bring shame or, or, or hurt you and you want to open this gift, open it. But whatever presents you get this Christmas are not going to make you happy. Listen, unless it's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Unless it's the gift, the greatest gift ever given. That's the only one that's going to bless you. It's the only one that's going to make you happy. And you can use the word happy. It's okay. It's a joyous occasion. But it can't be some fake gift. As we continue to try to fill our hearts full of the world's things. Mary means their rebellion. Their rebellion got up and was led by the Spirit to Zach and Elizabeth's house to investigate. And the grace of God leaped in her womb when she got there, in Elizabeth's womb. And after her aunt spoke, this young girl speaks by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, this is also really interesting, and, and I don't mean to belabor it, but my brain goes everywhere. And, and, and when you see both of these texts, they're so full of allusions alluding to the Old Testament. You're going to see how much they know about the Bible. But they call these both songs. We're reading them on the paper. But they call them songs. Listen to what Mary says in 46. Rebellion, their rebellion says, My soul magnifies the Lord. That's it right there. That's the first thing that she says. But the word magnifies in the Latin Vulgate is magnificat. And, and she's singing a song, they say. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You might look weird. I used to hate those shows where everybody was singing in them. Uh, but you might look weird, but she's by the Spirit of God, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and her soul is going to magnify the Lord. Listen to me. And if it's the Magnificat and she's singing over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul actually says you can speak in the Spirit, and you, you can speak in tongues in the Spirit, you can speak in the Spirit, and you can sing in the Spirit. 
He says it doesn't matter what you can do in tongues. What can you say in, a, in the spirit by your mouth that everybody understands and they can comprehend and it will edify them? That's what Paul says. I would rather you speak four words that people can understand than 1,500 in tongues. The only reason I brought that up is because he's talking about singing in the Spirit. And that's what basically they're doing here, is they're singing in the Spirit, but everybody can understand what they're saying. It's not a tongue. It's just the Spirit of God fills them so much that they're full of joy that they begin to sing. Because this is what their culture did. It's how they shared Scripture. It's how they memorized Scripture. It's singing. They sang the promises of God to their children when they would remind them of them. That's why the devil tries to get you to memorize lyrics that are evil and lead you away. That's why the devil has taken over not just the, the, the worship songs of the church, but everything about our heart in apostasy, in culturanity. And we need to wake up because there's not going to be a second chance. So she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. What is your soul magnifying? What does the magnifying glass do? Doesn't it make it bigger? I can't see this. I got these readers on. I got to magnify these so I can see them better. So Maria, their rebellion, she's magnifying. It's from the word megas. It means to make greater or to, to declare great, to show great. It means to celebrate what the Lord is doing. I celebrate and I'm mad. They didn't use me. They used her. Hey, fair. I didn't get none. Listen, it doesn't matter who's doing it. We can celebrate what the Lord is doing. So she magnifies the Lord. Are you magnifying the Lord or diminishing his great strength by ignoring his word? 47, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Notice that one line all by itself. I'm going to get in trouble, right? See, 40 is the number of judgment, and 46 is, six is, is judgment with Mary and their rebellion talking about what her soul does. And 47 is that my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary herself in the flesh just discontinues almost everything about the Catholic Church completely. She was not without sin. She knew that God was her Savior. She knew she needed a Savior. She, in the Spirit, is magnifying God, her Savior, right now. She's not co-redemptress. She's magnifying her Savior. It's actually, it, the, the funny part is, it's, just, it's a personal. Notice she says, my Spirit has rejoiced, has joy in, which is the word epi, that's the same word for you and I. Listen, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and fills us, that's the same word. She's rejoicing in God's power, in God's Spirit. And then she says, my personal Savior. Do you have a personal Savior? Or is it somebody else's God? Or do you have a personal relationship? Are you putting feet on your faith? And of course, that's the word Savior there is soter, where men complicated and call it the, the doctrine of soteriology, 
the doctrine of salvation. It just literally means a deliverer. Deliverer from what? The sin nature. It's the deliverer from what everybody is, is faced with. Sin leads to death. None righteous, no, not one. And here comes God who had promised he would bring a Savior, and she is magnifying this that's happening right now. She's glorifying it. And that's the way we're supposed to do. If the Holy Spirit comes in and seals us until the day of redemption, we should be magnifying the Lord. We should be magnifying that by people noticing that we have salvation now. We're not going to be living the same way anymore. It's not going to be life as normal. Yes, I'm getting ready for a wedding, but it's the wedding supper of the Lamb, not my personal wedding. She, she should be about her business of getting married to Joseph, but she's about the business of the Lord investigating because her personal wedding didn't matter anymore, and I'm not trying to diminish marriage whatsoever. She's already betrothed to Joseph. That's just like marriage in those days. That's going to happen. The natural will happen, but we need to let the Holy Spirit do the supernatural in our lives. But as long as we stay focused and fixed, sated upon the natural, the physical, the temporal, and don't listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church, we'll stay wrapped in ourselves. Why is she magnifying? Why is she rejoicing and telling us about her Savior? Look at 48, new beginning. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, his doulos, well, it's doula in the feminine. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. Who has regarded? God has regarded. He has gazed at her with favor is what that means. He has looked upon her lowly state. He has turned his eyes toward her. That's what grace means. That God will look at us with favor. Look upon what? Her lowly state. It means her depression in rank or feeling, her humiliation, her lowly state. Remember, we talked about this. Nobody would have used her. She was a, she was a virgin. She was a young child. Nobody would have used Zach and Elizabeth. They were, they were older. They were already moving away. We're now running with the new generation. Put them in an old folks' home. Listen, God comes and picks from the lowly. He picks from the back of the line. But when he picks us, he changes our life forever. It's never the same when we add faith to it. Never, ever is it the same. And then in 49 says, For he, again pointing to God, who is mighty has done great things for me. And then she tells us his name. Holy is his name. Separated, consecrated, hagios. But think about this. That's the same word for saints. That's the same word that God uses when he calls us a saint because we're his children. Holy is our name. That's supposed to be our character, our nature, our will. That's our authority as we come in God's name. We come in his authority. We come in the name of Jesus. We're not coming in our own state. That's our, we're, then we're lifting ourselves up. We're supposed to get low, stay low, bear fruit from the lowness. Our lowly state. Now, you know what? I read my Bible once and now I'm highly state. No, that's not the place to be. The more I read my Bible, the more it brings me in a lower place when I realize that I don't know much about it. 
This is so deep, it, it, it's, it, it's insane. Yet God trusts me with it to come up here and talk about it. I can't even, I mean, it, 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 it makes me tremble when I get up here. I'm not making a joke. This is not, this is not a joke. I don't want to be one of those that gets to the throne and he says, why didn't you tell my people? Why didn't you let the Spirit use your life, your gifting, to teach the Word of God like I gave you? I don't want to deal with that. Why did you say no to me? Why did you reject my authority in your life? You see, that's, that's the same old garden sin that happened with Eve. We get bewitched the same way that Eve got bewitched. Instead of believing that he can accomplish and perform everything that he said he's going to do. My goodness, I, my life's in his hands. And my life hurts sometimes. My life's ugly sometimes. But where can I go? He has the words of eternal life. Listen, listen, 49. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Who has done some stuff for you? Who are you giving credit for the mighty things, the mighty work of salvation? Yeah, I read my Bible. Yeah, I did this one. I did this other thing. And man, I did and I did and I did. God is the only one that's doing it. He's the mighty one. He's the one with strength. That's where we should be glorifying and looking up and pointing at the mighty God of Israel. He's the one that's done great things for me. Other people try, but they can't do nothing as great as salvation of the soul. Other people might mean well, and if they're not doing it in the spirit of God, they're actually hurting you. Here, let me help you put a pillow underneath your head. No, my head's supposed to hit the cement. It hurts. It's supposed to land real hard because God's dealing with me. And I would much rather God deal with me than a bunch of liars. I would much rather turn to God's word and his truth and be chastised and taken to the woodshed and had a butt spanking before I die than to listen to a bunch of liars that are apostate and stuck in culturanity and they're talk, t just saying stuff because they want to make you feel good. Feel good? Are you kidding me? I want to magnify the Lord. I want to glorify the Lord. I want to finish the race and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. He who is mighty. The world's full of weak people. Only in the spirit can somebody be mighty. Only in the spirit. You know what that word means? Able. That's all it is, able. I'm going to do a sermon on that one of these days. I talk about that all the time. First martyr of the church, Cain slew Abel. God's able. He could have kept Abel alive, but he allowed it to happen. Think about it long and hard. The giver of life can keep anybody alive that he wants to. He is able. He is mighty. And he does great things. Do you trust him? Holy is his name means morally blameless, or religiously blameless, ceremonially consecrated. And his name, of course, speaks of his character, his nature, his will, his authority. 
Verse 50, he continues, she continues, in the spirit. Listen, listen. Mary's name means their rebellion. She's in the spirit. In her rebellion, you probably didn't want to be around her. Think about it. She's a new creation now. She's listening to God. And listen, as she's saying these things, you could probably go back Psalms. There's lots of places you could go. Uh, Deuteronomy. You go all the way through the Bible, and she's making her allusions are to those texts. I don't have time to go to it. You could spend days in this. I've spent days studying it, years studying it. Because this young girl knows the Word of God. That's a testimony to her parents. It's a testimony to things that are going on in her life. It's a testimony to her character and everything. She knows the Word of God. You can tell by everything she's saying. But it's led by the Spirit of God. And wait till you get over. Somebody gets woke up. And we'll see that Zacharias knows the Word of God too. And he got woke up after he got chastised and shut up on his mouth. Fifty. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Very great truth. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Listen, every one of us deserved death. And God gave us mercy. Well, what do you mean? Listen, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, Titus 3, 5, and 6, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. It was because of mercy. Well, what did he do in his mercy? In his mercy, he provided grace. He sent the grace of God that brings salvation, Jesus Christ. And so we're saved by grace when we believe it through faith in it. Uh, saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. I, I said that wrong again. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. That's who she's magnifying. Epi, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. That's how you're living. I mean, we didn't get saved so that we could keep walking in and magnifying the world and going, look what I got. We, we got saved so that we could walk in and be adorned with, celebrate and decorated with the character, the nature, the will, the authority of Christ. So our flesh wouldn't be noticed and it would be covered with godliness. And then people would see Jesus, the greatest gift ever given, and they would want some of it. It would make them thirsty when they see our love for one another. And they would desire to know what we were doing and who we were serving. So his mercy is on those who fear him. Now, fear means reverence, lift him up. I believe it means to obey him. And I could give you a whole sermon on that if you go back and read Genesis 22, which is a picture of a father with a son with wood on his back going up on a hill. It's Mount Calvary. It's sacrifice. And after that father sacrifices his most prized possession, his son, Isaac. Oh, he didn't? New Testament says he did. He was willing to. He lifted the knife up and God said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay a hand on the lad. 
for now I know you fear God. See, he was willing to lay down everything in his life. And that's when God knew that he was willing to follow him. And that was a three-day journey with every bit of the resources. He traveled to Calvary. But God will not be manipulated. God knows our hearts. He knows every decision and everything we've ever done, and he still loves us with a never-ending love. But he wants us to be filled with the Spirit and to magnify him and to enter into his plan of salvation, enter into his works, to be unwrapped from our flesh and wrapped up in him and what he's doing to bring people to salvation. So he says his mercy is on those who fear him. You want the mercy of God? Ask him to teach you how to obey him, how to fear him. How to understand in reverential truth that he never lies. And you can believe him and trust him and follow him in everything that he says to do. From generation to generation, from time to time, eon to eon, period to period. 51, he has shown strength, power with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. See, this stuff is so powerful. Wait a minute, he's shown strength with his arm? With his mighty right arm? It's speaking of Jesus. It's speaking of a deliverer. It's speaking of power with his arm. I mean, I, I started Googling it, or, well, not Googling it, uh, searching it. <laughs> I say that all the time. I've not, I don't get on Google. You'd never see me on Google. I do use some search engine, but I don't use Google. Um, strength in his arm means his dominion, his mighty power in, in, in his arm or his strength. And, and one of the first places I like to look, just look, we'll look at a couple of them. There, you, do a study on arm is what I would tell you. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 4 is one of the first places. Uh, 420 or 434. I can't, I can't really do a bunch because we're going to be here forever and I won't get to the finish the lesson, but I just want you to see this. Um, listen to this 33. Actually, did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live? Listen, think about that question for a minute because we're supposed to be listening for the voice of God. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. 34, or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation? We're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, God's own special people. By trial, how did he do it? By trials, by signs, by wonders, by war. Look, by a mighty hand, he who is mighty has done great things, and an outstretched arm. And by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Listen, he brought you out of the world. He stretched out his arm, and your eyes opened up, and you said, Jesus saved me? Jesus is Lord? And you come out the same way the children of Israel come out of Egypt. There was lots of trials. There's all kinds of stuff going on around you that you don't even recognize or realize. Look at 2 Chronicles 32. 
when Sennacherib, when, when Assyria comes down upon uh, uh, Israel, look at this. Second Chronicles 32, 8. I know, I'm just, I'm just pot-shotting a few of these. Um, just pot-shotting a couple of them anyway. You can read them later if you'd like and really see the complete context. And he comes down, what do you have, 80,000 soldiers or something crazy? I forget what it was. Came and surrounded the city, and they did all that they could do. And in verse 8, which is a verse of new beginning, verse 8, look, look what happens. Oh, never mind. Look at verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. Isn't that amazing? There's more with us than with him. You just don't understand the power of God. Verse 8, with him is a arm of the flesh. Are you in the arm of the flesh? Are you living according to your flesh? Are you living to your means? Are you, tr are you in unbelief and just doing what you can do because of your flesh? Well, I did everything I can do. I can't do nothing else. Are you in the arm of the flesh? But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Listen to me. Do you understand that God is with us? God is our Savior. He doesn't just save us and leave us. He wants to complete the work He started in us. And yet we're the one that hinders ourselves by thinking that our arm of the flesh is going to complete it. It has to be the arm of God. It has to be His righteous right hand. Isaiah 53. You can do this as homework later and look at it in, in, in more completeness. But Isaiah 53 Oh, my goodness, I'm tempted to read it all. I'm not going to. Isaiah 53 is a picture of Christ. Listen to me. Who, 53.1, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the ground, out of the dry ground, because there's no spirit with it. It's the root of Jesse. Uh, he's a vine. Listen to and He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that sh we should desire him. It's all about his voice. It's all about his word. He looks just like everybody else. But the truth is why we listen. He's a light bearer. He comes to bring salvation. The arm of the Lord is Christ. She, she knows the word of God. Now you can keep reading it. I would, I, I've done it so many times. I hope that you do the homework. He's despised, verse 3, he's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He didn't hide his face. He brought his favor. He was despised and we did not esteem him. He, he, he died for us. We didn't even lift him up. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Man, he was in a curse. Why did they treat him so bad? He was just a man. Let, think about the curse that was on Zacharias and Elizabeth. And God just in the fullness of time came and lifted it. But this is talking about the Messiah. 
And verse 5 tells us why. It wasn't for him. It wasn't because him. It was because he came to take ours. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. He took our punishment so that we could be at peace with God. And by his stripes, we are healed spiritually. He does heal physically. Notice it's past tense, healed what about us? Verse 6, this is man, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. On who? On Christ, on his arm that he sent. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. New beginning. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? Rose from the grave. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. He's hung between two thieves. One repented, one didn't. The one on the right repented. But with the rich at his death, he was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb because he had done no violence. He was an innocent man, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Innocent. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Remember Genesis 3.15? He said, only his heel was bruised. He crushed the head of Satan. He will bruise your heel, but you will crush his head. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He has put him to grief, 10a, when you make his soul an offering for sin. Jesus on the cross. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. Resurrection. He's going to see those that believe and, and receive and become the seed of Abraham, therefore the seed of God. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, in his works, in his doing. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify men. Just by the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. For he shall bear their inequities. He took it all on the cross. Therefore, all of this, he says, therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, mighty. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. If you believe and trust in him, he divides the inheritance with you. Because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressor. And then he goes on to talk about seeing and bearing one. Remember, Elizabeth was barren. Those under the curse, 54, sing, O barren, you who have not born. You've not born any fruit. Bring forth into singing. That's what we're doing right now. Mary is singing and magnifying the Lord. And cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. She's a virgin getting ready to labor with child. For more are the children of the desolate, the barren, than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the barren, desolate cities inhabited. I don't know if you know it, but that 54 right there is the reason we came to Attica. The reason we came down here is that verse right there. That's the verse God gave me about being barren. He sent his arm. He has shown his strength with his arm and scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Now, the proud is those that are not lowly. 
See, he's considered the lowly, and the imagination is the desires of their hearts. So they have imagination, they have desires. They want to do some other stuff instead of do the plan of God. They want to keep doing all the desires that they have. Instead of dying to self, being crucified at the cross, and coming and living for God, so he scatters the proud. What did he do at Babel? At Babel? What did he do when he scattered all of them? Because they had desires in their heart to be like God and to build a tower to God and to escape the judgment of God. That's why they were building a, 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 a ziggurat at Babel that was supposed to be higher than the water was when he judged the earth so that they wouldn't be able to be killed. They could stay up, up higher than him. That's why we call them high places. I ain't going to be able to finish this. But he scatters the proud. We have to become lowly. We have to come low and humble ourselves and stop chasing the desires of our heart and pursue what he has done. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. Look at this. There's mighty other than him. Mighty has done great things for me. There's mighty people that exalt himself on their seats and he puts them down. He brings them low. He gives grace to the humble but he brings the proud low and exalted the lowly. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. He has filled the hungry with good things. Are you still hungry? And the rich he has sent away empty. Listen, are you still hungry? Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Are you hungering and thirsting for what God has? Or is your heart still chasing the desires of this world? All that glitters is not gold. All these things are going to burn. Are you still hungry for the stuff down here? I want to be like the Joneses. Who in the world is the Joneses anyway? Oh, I know some Joneses. Never mind. Man, the rich he sends away empty? Man, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not empty. I want to be filled when I hunger and thirst for righteousness. He has helped his servant Israel. He has helped those servants that are governed by God in remembrance, a memorial of his mercy that he promised. He made an oath. Notice that name, remembrance. Zacharias means God remembers. That's what's going on. Mary knows it. She's speaking of it. As he spoke to our fathers, it was a promise to Abraham and to his seed forever, not plural, seed, the Messiah, forever. This is what she's saying. This is what she's doing to magnify the Lord. And she quotes pure truth, all because she has a biblical perspective of what God is doing. She understood Isaiah 7, 14, that behold, the Lord himself will give a sign and the virgin, the virgin shall give birth. She knew that. She understood that it lined up when he came and explained it to her. And then it says, 56, more commentary, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to the, her house. Now, people can be divided upon this. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But three months would make it nine months. And then we're going to see now the baby born. Uh, is it written the way it's written because she returned to her house before the baby was born? That's my opinion. So now we're going to get the narrative, though, of Elizabeth giving birth. But she could have been there the whole time while the birth was going on. She could have watched it. She could have helped. She could have been the nursemaid that helped. 
Because Jesus is the one that brings grace into the world. Think about it. These things are powerful truths and they can be used in types and pictures in your mind to understand the depth of God's and the riches as you unwrap the package. She wasn't living with Joseph yet, believe me. She returned to her house. She's just betrothed right now. 57, now Elizabeth's full-time, his oaths full-time, came to, for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a son. See, because we live, listen, I'm just telling you that, that many times we live in this mindset, like, oh, she knew what she was going to have. Because nowadays we have all these tools and we can tell you what the baby is in the womb. They had no idea. They got people waiting to celebrate. Listen to me. If it's a boy, they celebrate. If it's a girl, they go, okay, go home. It's a girl. They're looking for a man child to hand their inheritance to. What good would it have done them if a girl would have come out of the womb? I am not in any way belittling women. The inheritance is passed through the male. That's how sin was passed, through Adam. This is God's economy. They would have went home if it would have been a girl. And they would still just been as cursed as could be. Because see, the girls came from Adam. But Adam came from God. Salvation has to come from God. You can't mix it all up like these liars are doing in our culture today. This is what the devil has meant to do. Everything gets confused. And then all of a sudden, Greg, the women are all mad at you because you just preached a male chauvinistic sermon. Had nothing to do with male chauvinistic. It was God who said it. But you've been listening to the lies of the world for so long that you get mad if anybody says anything about truth. If you don't start with truth, you'll end with a lie. If you don't understand truth, you'll always live in a lie. That's what this is about, unwrapping the package, understanding the truth, knowing what God has called us to do, how he has called us to live. It doesn't make anybody a second-rate citizen. In fact, in God's economy, when you're doing what he designed you to do, then you are obeying. When you're not doing what you were designed to do, then you are disobeying. And if you're in disobedience to God, you're in big trouble at the judgment seat. And all the devil wants to do is keep you disobeying God. It's that simple. 99% obedience is disobedience. That's why Christ had to die for us. Listen, I'm not trying to kick you out of heaven. That's why Christ 100% obeyed God and gave us his standing so that we could come to the knowledge of the truth, so that we could learn to obey because we ain't going to be able to do it in this physical body, this sin that we carry around perfectly, but we can at least move in the right direction instead of continuing to argue with God and listen to the culture who's lying to us. That's why he set us free so we can hear it. He's the one that's done mighty things for us. And again, that was verse 6, 7, and 8. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Shouldn't your neighbors rejoice with you? Oh, he's getting ready to talk about the prophecy of these haters. Listen, people should rejoice 
Only people who hate God say, you healed him by the power of Beelzebub. You're not doing it the way we want you to do it. Only haters of God who reject God's plan blame everybody for everything instead of surrendering to God. That's, the way, that's why he came to that apostate system and brought about salvation to clearly show them their darkness. 59, so it was on the eighth day that they came. This is eight is number of new beginnings. It's also medically they've found out that that's the day to circumcise because the blood can coagulate. It's at its full strength that they came to circumcise the child. Now, you know, circumcision is cutting away excess flesh. That's what that means. And so we are supposed to be circumcised in our heart, our spiritual heart, the middle of us, cut away anything that gives to flesh because there's always going to be sin and disease in flesh because flesh is only death. So we have to allow the Holy Spirit as He washes and cleanses us that He takes the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and He's cutting away all the flesh from our life so that we are adorned and decorated and we're celebrating and lifting up Him who is mighty. Not walking around in the flesh uncircumcised. Cut away the flesh. And they just came into the habit of not even naming children until the eighth day when they would do the circumcision. And they would have called him by the name of his father. Hey, it's Zach Jr., Zacharias. Uh, Verse 60, his mother answered and said, no, he shall not be called, or excuse me, no, he shall be called John. The Lord is gracious. Why? Because God just answered their prayers. When God answers your prayers, you should be praising God, magnifying God. He's gracious to his people. And verse 51, but they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So it was confusing to them because they always named according to relatives. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. Notice again, as I told you about the word speechless, I believe that he couldn't hear and he couldn't speak because they made signs to him. Now, many have tried to explain this away by saying, well, they just assumed that he was, no, he couldn't hear. So they had to make signs to him. They had become practiced at doing this over the last nine months. And they knew that he used a writing board and they made signs to him to communicate. And think about it. He'd been communicating with his wife all of those things for nine months that happened. And they know fully what's going on now. She knew that his name needed to be John and that we were not going to name him after Zach, Zacharias. God remembers. They made signs. said, what are you going to call your boy? 63, and he asked for a writing tablet. I thought it was hilarious that the word Aito is there, like he spoke. We know he can't speak. He didn't speak. Listen, so he had to make signs to them. Bring me that board I've been using, you know. Whatever he did, charades. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote saying, his name is the Lord is gracious. So they all marveled, Thalmadzo. They were in wonder. Immediately, straight away, instantly his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed 
and he spoke praising God. What's the first thing he does when he believes and sees the promises of God? He does the same thing Mary did. He magnified the Lord. He's praising God. He's speaking highly of God because he believes and trusts and sees the promises of God. See, this is what we should be doing. When we believe and trust God and believe the promises of God, we should always be lifting up God. Praising God. That's what the Spirit will always do. What happened then, Greg? 65. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them. And all these scenes were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea where they lived at. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, what kind of child would this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. The power of God was upon him. Listen, he's the forerunner to Jesus Christ. He's a witness the Lord has set him apart purposely, called him first to go before the face of the Lord and preach, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. 67, we're moving quickly. Now his father, Zacharias, what's his name mean? God remembered. His father, Zacharias, remembered, God remembered, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, forth speaking the word of God, saying, listen, I believe that Zacharias here has been prepared all the time as he watched this baby in the womb incubated for nine months. He can't talk. He understands. He's being reminded of the promises of God. And now he's going to proclaim them because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice none of these people. Now you might say, well, that's them, not us. No, it's what the, all of us. It's the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. This is the promise to all of us. God will come and remember our lowly state as long as we don't stay high. If we stay proud and say, you know what, I already know why he called me. I already know what he's doing with me. I already know what. Listen, you have to humble yourself. Become low. And then his spirit can use an empty vessel. There's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. And this is why he had shut up on his mouth. What would he have done? Who knows what he might have said. <laughs> Look at me, I saw an angel. I didn't die. Never mind, I'm not going to go into the testimony of the flesh. We see enough of it in culturanity. So he foretells, that's what prophesied means. He foretells, he speaks the word of God. He tells what's happening and he says, blessed. Now, again, this is the, the, the benedicto. That's the Latin word. When Mary sang, it was the, 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 the magnificat. Now he's going to sing, or he's going to speak this way. He might be singing in the spirit. I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, it's 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 the uh, uh, it's it's a benediction. It's what he was supposed to have done when his time was up in the temple was give a benediction to them. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. The Lord be gracious unto thee and keep thee. And he didn't give no benediction. Because his mouth had shut up on it. Now he's going, this is the, 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 the benedicto, and he's going to do a benediction. And he says, Blessed is the Lord, and in the Latin Vulgate, 
That's what that word means, blessed. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Notice past tense. Listen, John's been born, Jesus, but he knows that Mary is carrying the Messiah. This is stuff that they know from the Spirit. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He knows that she's carrying the baby. God is visiting with him, talking with him. They know the word of God. They're being reminded of the word of God. It's being revealed to them as they spend time with God. Everything that's going on. And now by the spirit of God, he is foretelling what is going on. And of course, the house of David, which is where the seed comes from. Um, we know that that is in the Old Testament. I'm not going to any of these texts purposefully. We would be in the Old Testament constantly. Um, the promises that there would never cease to be a king on the throne of David. And so Jesus from his seed, because uh, now not Zach and Elizabeth, they're from a different tribe, but Mary and Joseph are both from the tribe of David. And um, we're going to see that for eternity, Christ sits on the throne as king. And there will never cease to be. I was sharing with the county jail the other day. And I don't know if you guys know that at one time, at one time, it got down to only one boy in the whole line of David. And he was being hidden by the priest in the temple. And Athila, Athaliah, Athaliah had, it was, a, was a, a female who made herself king and killed all of the other heirs to the throne and she thought she had killed every male heir there was but there's no wisdom or counsel against god and there was joash right there in the temple being raised by the priest there he was hid there and when they brought him out at the age of eight i believe it was a new beginning she yells blasphemy and rips her clothes and they take her out and kill her and they set him on the throne and they say long live the king but you can't get rid of god's promise and that's what's being fulfilled here. You need to know that God is so sovereign. He allowed the enemy to kill everybody but one little boy that was still from his line and lineage. And it's a, it's a prefiguring of Christ, the only begotten, the one and only, the, 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 the Son of God who would come and bring salvation to those who would look to him and believe in him. Verse 70, and as he spoke by the mouth, oh, excuse me, in the house of David, he raised him up from the house of David, continuing the thought, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, and of course, we was already at Abel, right? Abel was the first one. He's the first prophet. He's the first one that was slain. That we should be saved from our enemies. And from the hand of all who hate us. I talked to you about that earlier. Our enemies hate us. They don't know. Death culture does not understand that they hate us. But they hate God. And it's really, we're his witnesses. But they hate us. The enemies of God hate. And that means murder. Why is it murder? Because Satan was a murderer from the beginning. 
Why did Cain rise up and kill Abel? Because Satan is a murderer from the beginning, and he pits us against each other. But when we come in the Spirit of God, we're in unity doing the same thing. We're listening to God. We're looking to put on the mind of God. We're wanting to lay down our lives and lift up Christ, and all of us go to the nations together. It's a unity, communion. We have co-union in the Spirit, but when we're walking in the flesh, we get mad at each other, and we bite and devour and we point and we do all those things that destroy unity and we need to be careful we find ourselves being an enemy and hating god and part of their death culture that kills the spirit 72 to perform the mercy promised to our fathers again it's his oath god remembers his oath he's performing it everything he ever said none of his word will fall to the earth He sent his word to heal the land and to remember his holy covenant. He's remembering again, Zacharias, covenant is a contract. Listen to me. It's a contract, but listen to what it says when you look it up, especially a divisory will. A divisory will? What in the world is that? It's one who gives by will, by his own will. He bequeaths lands or tenants but it it, he divides it himself and he gives a double portion to his firstborn and his firstborn shares it with his bride that's pretty amazing to me i don't know much of those terms but he's going to keep his covenant he remembers his holy covenant it's a set apart covenant it's consecrated the oath Remember, Zacharias and Elizabeth, God remembers his oath, which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, again, he mentions the enemies, there's the enemies again. They're everywhere. Just remember, they hate you because they first hated him. That being delivered, listen, are you paying attention? If we've been delivered from the sin nature, from the power of the lies of the enemy, what are we going to do? That we might serve him without fear of our enemies. We can serve him without fear. How, Greg? In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Because that's what he's given us, holiness. He set us apart. He calls us saints. It's hagios. There's saints and there's ain'ts. That's the only two kind of people on the planet, saints and ain'ts. If you've received salvation, you get an S on the front of your ain'ts. And now you become a saint, set apart for God's good service. You get the righteousness of God that comes through Christ. And then now, listen, all that time he's been talking about Jesus. Think about it. I just had a kid. We had, we've been praying for all these years, and, and we were cursed, and, and then God answered our prayers, and he ain't even talking about the grace of God. He isn't talking about God's gracious gift. He isn't even talking about that. He's talking about Jesus all this time. And now he's going to say a couple verses about his son because he realizes what his son is going to be, the forerunner. Listen. Verse 76, again, your child, my child, six is the number of man. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. Remember? Jesus is the son of the highest. Why? Because the highest is going to overshadow Mary and is the father. 
And now here's the prophet of the Most High God who's going before him, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. Make straight the way of the Lord. That's what they did when a king would come. They would send messengers forward to get rid of the vagabonds and the thieves and the rocks and anything that would stumble his path and to prepare the hearts of people to receive the king. He would go forward and herald it. And that's what we're doing. We're going forward and heralding it. We become the John the Baptist to everybody. We would go forward in grace by the gift of God through the spirit of God and tell people, make way for the king. Repent and receive the kingdom of God. I'm getting excited. I'm going to pop. So now he's realizing that his son is not, his wife is not giving birth to the Messiah, but to a prophet of the highest. And he is singing the praise of what's going on. And all of it has Old Testament uh, uh, scripture in it. You will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. Listen, anybody that's, that's, that's dealing with the grace of God, you want people to come to know, to have knowledge, gnosis, understanding of what deliverance from the sin nature is to the people who are supposed to be saved. How did it happen? By the remission of their sins. He paid for it all on the cross. This is what he's come to do. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Through the tender mercy, bowels of mercy, it's the compassion of our God actually, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. Now listen, I do a, do a word study on day spring. Blows your brain. It means east everywhere else except for right here. It means east. The day spring has visited us. It means a rising of light out of the east. Out of the east. A rising of light from on high has visited us. The new day has dawned. What are you going to do to give light, to decorate that first tree, the cross? Oh, to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. All of us were sitting in darkness. All of us had death hanging over our head. All of us, through all of our life, we were afraid of death. But now you do not have to fear death. That's the finish line. That's getting home. That, that is being carried across the, the doorway as a bride into his house. We celebrate that down here in the physical, but in the spiritual, we're scared to death of it. That Christ would carry us across the hurt of his house into the Father's house at this wedding supper of the Lamb and say, well done, good and faithful servant. There is no reason to fear death. It has no sting. It has no victory. To guide our feet into the way of peace. Are your feet being guided by the Spirit of God where you're walking in peace? First, peace with God and then peace with others. We're not quarrelsome. We're just sharing truth. If they receive it, let them receive it. If not, then they miss. They miss out on it. But we pray for them. We pray that they would receive mercy. Now, double judgment. 80. I'm sorry, my mind can't stop seeing it. So the child, John the Baptist, grew, because all children should, or he would look like he was... Uh, 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 stunted and became strong in the flesh he fought a lot he drank a lot he was mean 
He uh, 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 lived whatever he wanted to do. Oh, no, wait a minute. Stop, stop, stop. So the child grew and became strong in spirit. Are you growing and becoming strong in spirit because you're married to Christ? Because his spirit is married to your spirit? Are you growing in the spirit of God or are you still growing your hair? Are you still growing your hair, Samson? Are you still trying to do it in your strength with deception? See, Samson thought his hair was the reason. You know why? Go read it. Because he already broke everything else with the Nazarite vow. The only thing he hadn't done in everything that he wasn't supposed to do, the only thing he hadn't done was cut his hair. So he thought all of his strength was in his hair. And God let him be judged by what he thought. And that's the same way he's going to judge us by our heart, the thoughts and intents of our heart. And they need to be designed by God's word so that we're not thinking wrong and living wrong and doing wrong because somebody told us. Because we like it here, it's comfortable. The word of God is, is great comfort, great exhortation, great rest, great cleansing. But when you hear it taught and you're not living right, it should not be comforting. It should make you want to get right with God and repent. And know that if the question was, if he was coming tomorrow, what would you change in your life? The answer should be nothing. You should already be doing everything today that you're supposed to be doing. If there's something you should change, you better do it. Because you might not breathe to finish this day. So he grew and he was in the desert. He was in isolated, solitary places. Until he was shown, until God said, now come and point the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So listen, this is not a simple thing, guys. This was like 30 years. God is preparing you in a wilderness, in a single solitary place, meeting alone with him. And it might be 30 years before he has you speak out. But he wants you to speak out and speak up and not to shut up, but to stand up. Because you're filled with the Holy Spirit of promise. Trust the Spirit to lead you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for preparing us. Lord, thank you that you prepared the call, that you don't call the prepared. Because you've already prepared everything for us. So Lord, we come in a lowly state. Not prepared, but surrendering because we can do nothing of ourselves. It must be your spirit. Pour out your spirit upon us. Baptize us afresh and anew. Send us to a dead and dying world and give us a desire to even pray for our enemies, Lord. We know they hate us because they hated you. So we pray, Lord. We pray, save now. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace that you have upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Who am I?
Cause I